I'm excited to get into tonight's message. Um, we are in a series called Building Materials. If you are newer here, um, kind of the way I do, and they're going to bring up that graphic any moment now. We got a volunteer up there tonight learning the new stuff. So I just want to give him honor for, for serving in that area and learning the, yeah. I've heard whispers that people are scared to death to get up there on the computer because I always pick on them. Um, I don't know why, but um, I just love the fact that you're you're a brave man to be up there tonight, so just be prepared. I'm probably going to rebuke you. Um, (laughs) I love you, man. But we are in this series called Building Materials. The way I usually teach is I love going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the scriptures. Uh, We did a whole thing on Song of Solomons. We did the book, we did the, uh, book of Ephesians. We've done Romans. We've done that. I mean, you name it, we've done it. Um, but I felt like I wanted to break it up a little bit and talk a, more of a topical um, message series about how we are to build the church, not according to what we want, but according to what the Lord wants for this house specifically and the big C uh, corporate church. Um, and we've been talking about different things each week, fellowship. We've talked about, uh, last week we talked about prayer. And as I was praying about this next building material, I felt like what the Lord told me to lean into tonight is simply the idea of submission. Submission. Um, That we are to be submitted in a lot of different ways. And um, I'm not sure if, if this is gonna be a shorter message or not, but I will say I have a lot less notes than usual. Usually I have 12 pages, tonight I have six. But some people say that means I just go longer because I ramble. Um, but, but you know what, that's okay because we're, we're a big family and we want to go deeper and we want to we walk into more of a, the, a level of glory that God has for us so that he can get all glory, amen? So uh, we're going to pray and get into this message. If you're going to be anywhere tonight in your scripture, I have a lot of different scriptures, but I would encourage you to, we're really going to land around Matthew 16 if you want to turn there, but it'll all be on the screen. So Lord, we thank you for everything you're doing in and through this house. And tonight, as we get into this message, we don't want to hear my thoughts, my words, my opinions. We just want to hear your truth. So say what you want to say, do what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. Amen. First Corinthians 3 tells us that we are building on a foundation that Jesus laid for us. And the thing we're building is not necessarily an organization, a literal building called church, but we are actually coming together building the dwelling place of God, which is the people of God, the temple of God. The temple is not a place to come to. It is a people to to belong to. It It is where God dwells in us. We are the temple of God. And we've been talking about in this idea of building the church that there are certain things to build with. We talked about fellowship coming from a Greek word koinonia, literally meaning communion by participation. That part of how to build a dwelling place of God is we have to participate in what God wants to do. The idea that we don't have to be a part of a body to be a part of the body is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life because the entire structure of what God wanted to do has always been in relationship. When he created Adam, he said it's not good for man to be what? Alone. 
When he started building the church, Jesus came and he said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. And he didn't gather just one. He gathered 12 uh, disciples, 12 apostles. There was always more than just one. We are meant to be together, to be connected to something called church. And as I was praying again today, I want to get into this idea of that we are called to be submitted to God, the building material of submission. And it's, as I was looking at this word, this wasn't in my notes, but it reminded me that submission literally means that we are submission. There is our mission, and then there is his mission. And we have to live a life where we're not trying to carry out what we want, but we are surrendered to the mission that God has for us right here on earth as it is in heaven. We have a mission. People refer to it as the Great Commission, but Great Commission doesn't mean just get people saved. The Great Commission is bring the realities of heaven here to earth, that people are saved, people are delivered. Can I just say that? Can Can I dab a little bit tonight? It's not just get people saved. Jesus says, I am the door. Salvation is the beginning, not the end goal. And if salvation is the beginning, the doorway to more, we realize that the Great Commission is not just get them saved, but get people to walk out in deliverance, walk in freedom, walk in truth, walk into their true identity, being in submission, not to what we want, but submitting ourselves to the mission of God to what he wants, which is to fill the earth. Fill, every, fill everything, every place, every nook, every cranny. If you, if you get more in the presence of God on a Saturday night than in your house, then you've got something backwards. It, it is to be an outflowing of the presence of God filling up every place of our lives. In Acts 2, the people were getting together and they were getting saved. There was miracles, signs, wonders pouring out. They were meeting together. They were sharing meals. They were sharing possessions. People were enjoying the goodwill of each other. There was just generosity. It was crazy stuff happened. Whenever we think about Acts, especially in charismatic communities, we always think about the, 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 the filling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and people were speaking in, in different languages and tongues and and. and, and Thousands came because they heard this sound uh, in, this, in this upper room. So they came there like, what is this sound? And people started hearing the sermon from Peter. And 3,000 people were saved in a day. Can someone say amen to that? I mean, there was crazy stuff happening. But as I was thinking on that, preparing this message, there's something that we overlooked in Acts chapter 1 to get us to Acts chapter 2. Obviously, 1 comes before 2, but... There is something in there that I think that we need to pay attention to. In Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. It says this. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Now, I want to make sure we understand to get a picture of what that means. He was appearing and reappearing. He didn't want them to think he was just a ghost. He was a physical man appearing and reappearing, defying the laws of human existence. Because nothing can bind him. He can, he can do whatever the Father wants him to do. His, his human flesh was not bound by the rules that we're bound by. So he was making sure that they knew, I am a man and I'm doing this stuff. And he talked about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave. Someone say that with me. Do not leave. leave. 
Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I've told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, he'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus spent all this time with them, and he has nothing else for the disciples to do other than one thing, wait. He says, I want you to get here, and I do not want you to leave. I want you to wait until Holy Spirit comes. It is the promise of Father God. And he didn't give them a number of days. He didn't say, don't leave for 10 days, even though that's how long it took. He didn't tell them the Holy Spirit was coming in 10 days. He didn't tell them even what it was going to look like when Holy Spirit comes. He just says, I've got one thing for you to do. Do not leave Jerusalem. I want you to wait here because the Holy Spirit is coming. Do not leave. In the original language, do not leave, most accurately means this. Do not separate or divorce yourselves from a thing. Do not separate or do not divorce yourself from this thing. In other words, when Jesus looked at his disciples, he says, do not divorce yourself from the place I've called you to be. Do not separate from the place I've called you to be. And we often ask God why when we should be responding with a yes because oftentimes when God asks you to wait in a place, we want to know the specifics of why are we waiting, what are we waiting on, how long are we going to wait, why we got to be in this season. We're people who want to know all the specifics and sometimes God's response is just do not leave. Our yes should be we are here to walk out whatever God wants to do in this place, however he wants to do it. And he says, I want you to wait. Do not leave until I bring you the thing that you need to carry out the rest of the will of the Father. Sometimes in submission, we have to understand we have to wait in places that we don't like to be in. Sometimes we have to wait in places that do not make sense to be in. Jesus left and the, the, the angels are looking at the disciples and what are you doing? You've got work to do. Stop looking up. Go back. And they're going back to Jerusalem. And can you imagine what's going through their mind? Jesus just left. We have this, the Holy Spirit or, or, or we have this call to do these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's coming. They're probably anxious. They're probably like, okay, what's it going to look like? How is it going to be? What are we going to do? We got to go preach. We got to go talk. We got to go hand out tracts. We got to have church every Sunday. We got we, we to we make graphics. We got to get the songs. That They probably had so much passion in what to do. And all Jesus said to do was, I just, I won't, I just don't leave. Just stay right here. Because in order to do what you are called to do, you have got to be immersed in something or covered in something called Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to be here and do not leave until you are submitted to a covering. Do not leave until you are totally filled with the one you need to do every task, to walk in every path that I'll ever call you to walk in. And many people want to move forward without being submitted to this covering. Are, are y'all following me? Is this, is this a slow starting? Y'all okay? I think that we have been asking the wrong questions. 
Because in growing up in the Baptist church and, the, and then interning in the Methodist church, I heard a totally new sound when I got into charismatic realms or Pentecostal communities. I always hear this thing that says, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Has anybody ever been asked that question or heard that question? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you I believe that that is the wrong question? We shouldn't be asking, have you been baptized? We should be asking, are you baptized? This is where I'm going to meddle a little bit. Because baptism or covering isn't just one experience. Baptism is a constant submission to being covered. The baptism is constant submission to being covered. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Peter and John were released from being questioned by the Sanhedrin. If you don't know what the Sanhedrin, don't throw it up there yet. I ain't told y'all no scripture. Y'all ruining my message. <laughs> Peter and John were released from being questioned by the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was basically the Supreme Court for Israel. And when they were released... It says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Now you can put it up there. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. So I want you to catch what just happened. They were released. They returned somewhere. Where did they return to? The church. The body of believers. And it says they started praying together with this body of believers. And after they prayed together, I want you to look what happens in verse 31. It says this. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. Now I'm going to pause right there. Most of you remember this shaking in Acts chapter 2. But we're seeing it again in Acts chapter 4. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Wait a minute. I thought they were filled in Acts chapter 2. They were. But when you go out to serve God, what you got filled with should be being poured out. And in order to get filled again, you get back to the place of being covered in a baptism of total presence of God. There is a constant need to come back to a fellowship of believers praying together for the purpose of being submitted to covering. When you are submitted to covering, you are baptized in presence and it fills you up so much that there is no room for anything else to leave with you. It's, we have a call to be surrendered or submitted to the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God for purpose, for mission, submission. That we are to leave here on Saturday night and be on mission to whatever God wants us to do. Bringing light to darkness, which means knowledge to ignorance. Light, we got to get away from this idea that light and darkness means, means, means just, you know, scary movie demons. Light simply means knowledge. Darkness means ignorance. 
You have a call to bring knowledge to an ignorant people, and the church spends more time rebuking ignorance than lighting ignorance up. And in order to light ignorance up, we have to be so filled with the presence of God that the only thing pouring out of us looks like him and not like you. Or I'll better say it, a false version of you. Because true version of you actually looks just like God. True version of you walks in the character of God. So we get filled in the presence of God to make sure that everything that comes out of us is flowing from a baptism of who we truly are, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Is this? Okay. This will equip you for ministry. And ministry is not an organization of a religious licensing. Ministry is what you do in Jesus' name in any and every avenue of life. We are being, we are constantly needing to be covered or submitted to Holy Spirit to prep you for everything that you're called to do every moment of your day as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a co-worker, as a boss, as an employee, as whatever it is, you are put there for what is called ministry. You are put there to light something up. Some of us are bakers in here. Some of us are, are, are homemakers in here. Some of us own businesses. Some of us, I, I don't care what you do. Whatever you have mission for, that is your ministry. And you cannot serve that ministry well if you are not filled. And you cannot get filled unless you are submitted. Sometimes you pour out over and over and over. And before you know it, you have nothing left to give. And you think the answer to nothing left to give is you need rest or you need vacation. Well, first of all, rest should be part of your constant rhythm, so you should never be lacking it. What you really need is not a vacation to get filled up. There is nothing wrong with vacation. Can I get an amen? amen. That, that's the, y'all saying amen more vacation than the word. <laughs> There is nothing wrong with a vacation. There is nothing wrong with taking a break. But the vacation doesn't need to be in place of I need to get filled up. Vacation is I want to go have a good time doing this, not I need a break. What you need if you are giving and giving and giving and getting to this place of burnt out or feel like you have nothing left to give is not I need a vacation. It's I need to surrender to the presence of God, to a covering and get submitted so that I can get filled up. The greatest recipe for your weariness is submission to the presence of God and to a body of believers. Not to get away. And the problem is we've replaced submission to the body with getaway. Think about it. In the church, when it was first established, Everyone came together to get direction. And now we got to go to our private times to get, correction, to get direction. Nothing wrong with the quiet time. Nothing wrong with private time. I, I, there's plenty of times where I'm at uh, my house by myself. Just, Lord, show me what you want me to do. We should all have that. But we have almost replaced the corporate gathering for the private gathering. The Lord has structured it to come together in submission 
under covering and seek me together. And if the body of believers would submit wholeheartedly to the Spirit of God, it would be so thick in here that the moment people walked in, we'd be filled. But what church has become is not become the place to get filled. It's come to get saved. And this, this should... The, the, uh, the motive of coming together as a church is not to get saved every weekend. This should be the place for the already saved to get built up, to get in submission, to get filled, so that those who need to be saved, we meet them exactly where they're at, rather than asking them to come into a place that's unfamiliar. I'm not saying don't invite the lost in here. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that what this is for is not, it should not be designed for the lost. When Jesus said, I'm building my church, he didn't get 12 lost people. He got 12 men that he walked with for three years. And what's funny is that after all these believers were filled, again, it says in verse 32 and 35 that they started selling property and sharing it. Again, just like in Acts 2. Because the needs of the people became greater than the pleasure of self. They were totally submitted to whatever God needed to happen, they were going to make happen. And I feel like the church of today has lost that. Lord, whatever you want, we are here to make it happen. Show us what you want. And God says, before you start doing, make sure that you are filled because you are submitted together. Is this making sense? Okay. See, submission is not just one-sided. It says in Ephesians 5.21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The idea of looking out for yourself needs to be crucified so that a resurrected thought comes of the best thing for me is looking out for you. The thing that the Church of America needs to crucify the most is called the American dream. You look out for you and make your dreams come true. Can I challenge that? I don't want my dreams to come true. I want God's dreams for my life to come true. And God's dreams for my life may not look like mine. It may. But I have to at least at some point submit my wants and my desires to him and say, God, whatever it is, even if it replaces what I think I need. In, 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 Acts, in Acts 2, 3, 4, and beyond, when the believers came together, they were so covered and filled with the presence of God that when they saw a need, they said, sell your house, get the money, buy the stuff, meet the need. They didn't say, let's take up an offering. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking up an offering to meet a need. We're doing that as a house. What I am talking about is a passion to submit and surrender to God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And these people gave up everything they wanted for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The people of God will grow more in authority when we understand who we are. But we cannot understand who we are if we are not submitted to God. 
And what I'm getting to is that I believe the biggest place where we need to be submitted to God in is our identity. The reason the biggest building material for the church needs to be submission is because we have to understand who we are to start understanding what we're called to do. And when we start to understand who we are, and when we start to understand what we're called to do, we'll start to do things that we never thought were possible. I want to read Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? So Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, pause here. It says Simon Peter answered because the writer was referring to who he knew. He knew Simon as who? Peter. But watch what Jesus says right here. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. In this moment, he is still talking to Peter and calling him who? Simon. You are blessed, Simon, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. For those of you that never thought you have heard the voice of God, if you said yes to Jesus, you've heard the voice of God. Because you don't get Jesus by simply the voice of another human. You had a revelation of who he is because you heard the voice of God. It says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Just leave that up there. Now, this scripture is used a lot and preached a lot. But I want to bring something that might be a little bit newer for you. And maybe not all of you, but definitely for me. In verse 17, Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. Just leave this one up here. And Jesus replies, you're, replies, you're blessed because no man revealed this. But he says, Simon. He says, Simon, you've got it. Now, I'm going to call you different because you just understood it. Now I'm going to call you Peter. And in life, you can choose to submit to one of two things. Your old man or the new man. In a moment, Simon was no longer submitting to what he knew. What did he knew? What did he know? What did he know? <laughs> what did he know? The Messiah is coming. At this point, they were walking with Jesus, and they hadn't had a conversation that he's Messiah. At this point, it was a dude that had some great knowledge, and they've seen some crazy stuff, and they're walking with him. In this moment, Simon no longer submitted to what he was covered in as just Jewish culture and religion. In this moment, he chose... I've come to know you, Jesus, and because I've come to know you, I'm no longer going to look at you as just a prophet. I understand that you are Messiah. 
So in that moment, Simon said, I'm no longer submitting to what I grew up with, what I've been taught, what I knew. In this moment, I'm submitting to what I know right now by experience of relationship. And you can choose to submit to your old man or your new man. Do you submit to the ways of the you before the revelation of Jesus? Or do you submit to the new ways of the you after your revelation of Jesus? Jesus says, this is your new identity. You are now Peter, meaning rock. And for the rest of his life, Peter would choose Simon living or Peter living. And that is essentially the life of a believer. You are choosing to submit to your old man belief, your old man ways, or your new man. When you were saved, you were created new. You were reborn. The process of growing into that man is not dependent on God. It's dependent upon what will you say yes to and what will you say no to. And religion tells you the yeses or no are based off of what the Bible says is right or wrong. But as I'm showing you tonight, it goes deeper than that. He says, if you would build a relationship with me, you'll know right or wrong without ever having to see the scripture. Do not hear me wrong and do not text me saying that you said it was not important to read the Bible. I will rebuke you publicly for it. What I am saying is that we are invited into a relationship so deep that you walk into things of scripture and when you read it, you'll say, oh, it's in there too. Confirming what you're hearing is true. The rest of his life, Peter's going to choose Simon living or Peter living. I, I had this at the end of my message, but I'm going to go ahead and skip to it. What's funny is eight verses later, Jesus looks at him after he calls him Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Just eight verses later, Simon, you're Peter. You mean rock, or you, you, which means rock. Eight verses later, get behind me, Satan. Because in a moment, he went from new man to old man. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with that. Like you're walking in new man, and then someone does that one thing that makes you go right back to old man. You see, in that moment, you have the opportunity to build the kingdom or not. How do you build the kingdom? I'm choosing to build this situation submitted to my old self or submitted to my new self. My old self wants to get revengeful against the person. My new self says, pray blessings on that person. And can I talk about blessings for a second? We are told that we are actually blessed to be a blessing. So sometimes you need to stop praying for a blessing over them and just start blessing them. They are blessed because you chose to surrender your pride to enter into conversation. Because in that moment, you're choosing new man and not old. That happens to me a lot at Relentless Church. Sometimes. Sometimes a lot. Like you're talking with people, and in, the, in that moment, the thought comes to your mind, do I want to respond with old man? Or new man? You, you, we've all been there. 
The key to knowing or living a life where your natural is to respond to new man is to make sure you are submitted, submitted to the filling of the Holy Spirit every chance you can. You're connected to a body of believers for the corporate surrender to God. Why do you go into quiet? Why do you start your day with a quiet time? To make sure that you are surrendered, submitted to the filling of God in your mind, your heart, your soul. You will have a much tougher day if you don't start it with saying, Lord, I'm submitted to you. Because when you start your day saying, Lord, I'm submitted to you, that declaration out of your mouth will be the steering wheel for the rest of your day. Now, Jesus says, you're Peter, you are a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, there's many different ways to interpret this. Some say he was saying, Peter, you're going to be the first one that I'm going to build and lead with. Some will say Jesus was referring to himself. The, what was going on is in the moment when Jesus was looking at Simon, Peter, and the disciples, they were having this conversation. And Jesus was standing on, guess what? A rock. <laughs> Good thing we're not quizzing, y'all. <laughs> he was standing on a rock in front of a cave. And the cave was known as the Gates of Hades. It, it, was, it was a deep, dark cave, and that's what they just believed it was the Gates of Hell. That's what, that's what they called it. So he's standing right in front of the Gates of Hell, and he says, Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, and these gates that no one wants to come over, I'm standing right here to say they will not prevail against it. That's the context of what's going on. This is where I want to take you tonight. He wanted to build with Peter, not Simon. Jesus says, Simon, I'm now calling you Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Jesus wants to build his church with the you that is submitted to your restored identity. Okay. Jesus wants to build his church with the you that's submitted to restored identity. What happens in church is we try to build the church based off of the likes and dislikes of old man. And can I just say, we are continually being transformed into the image of God. What, what religion will convince you is that your likes and dislikes of 10 years ago have to be the cross to die on for now. Jesus says, I want to build my ecclesia, my meeting of governors. I want to build my church with a people who are submitted to the new man they're growing into. Have you ever wondered why Jesus chose to come at that time? You, you, you ever, I get asked this question like once every two or three years I meet someone to ask the question. They say, Kyle, you got Genesis, Adam and Eve got out of the garden, that they failed. Why did God wait until so many hundreds and hundreds of years later to come back? Why didn't he just come back in, you know, Exodus? 
What took him so long? You ever wondered that? Can I tell you what my thoughts are on it? Up until now, every kingdom and every empire, when they conquered an area, they would handle it the same way. They would conquer an area and they would take captive the people and bring the people back to their region. That's why you have Jews as slaves in Egypt They were taken into a land that was not theirs, and God says, I'm going to put them back in the promised land, right? You have this over and over throughout Scripture. They take someone, they imprison them. The Roman Empire was different. The Roman Empire, when they would conquer an area, they would leave the people in the area, and they would get a representative of Rome to go to the area and make that area look like Rome. And Jesus says, and Jesus comes on the scene and says, now that you've seen how that kingdom works, let's take that idea and I'm going to build my ecclesia. Ecclesia, a meeting of governors that are sent out into regions and areas to make it look like the kingdom of God. You come here to understand how to transform your areas of influence. Is this? This should not be a place where we come to get saved every weekend. This shouldn't even be the place where we come hoping a miracle will happen. This should be the place where we come to get so filled that miracles are dispersed through us wherever we go. I'm waiting for the day when the news says, man healed at Gulfstream. Right? Not Gulfstream employee got healed at church. I'm talking about someone falls, someone gets hurt, and and right there on the spot, they don't care if they're going to get fired. They say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, and they stand up. I, I mean, can you imagine... What, 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 what is, how does that happen? Because the employee realizes when he came in the Gulfstream, he brought a different kingdom or a different culture into theirs. Thanksgiving is coming up. And Thanksgiving is a time where families get together that sometimes don't always get together. And when they get together, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. And in that moment, you have an opportunity. Will I be submitted to the old man that's going to respond to my relative this way? Or am I going to walk in new man, understanding that I am bringing the kingdom of God to this dinner table? And I know this might be elementary for some of you, but I think we need to realize when we are building the church, it's not talking about a Saturday night gathering. It is the people of God taking the kingdom of God into every place we go into without compromise. Too many of us are trying to bend the church to the likes and dislikes to old man instead of being willing to walk into a house that is only familiar with new man. And the job of an apostolic leader, the job of Kyle Garrison, can we just go there? 
is to guide you into new man expressions, even though you may be living in old man expressions, hence the need to be submitted to authority in the house. Now, I am not talking about an overbearing authority from one person to the church. Because anyone that leads a house should be fully submitted somewhere. What I am saying is that we as a church will only go to new levels when we dare to go and walk in new things that our current old man may not like. And we got to stop calling old man Holy Spirit. Well, God told me this. That wasn't God. That was your old man. Well, how do I know the difference? Is what we're walking into submitted to the character of God or not? (laughs) Is there peace? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there self-control? Is there honor? If it looks like God, but it don't look like God to you, get over you and embrace God. Is, it, is, is this too hard? No. Well, Kyle, I, I don't think we need to do that thing. Is that old man not liking new man? Or are you willing to walk in faith and submission because you trust what God's doing? Perhaps that's why we see something like this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. And a good leader can be corrected. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do you realize the weight on my life and why I take this seriously? Because everyone that is under the sound of my voice, I have to bring an account to God for one day. Every single one of you. So that, can, I, can I get really, really real? There may be times where you talk to me and you hear and experience old man Kyle. But you don't see where new man Kyle gets in that truck and starts getting before God with tears saying, Lord, forgive me for what I just said. Forgive me for what I just did. Because I know I have to give an account for you. And the only heart I have, and I mean this for every single person in this house, and that anyone that's ever been connected and anyone that ever will is one thing, for you to come alive in what you are anointed to do. Not to make my dreams come true. Can I just be real? You know what my dreams come true are? To see your dreams come true. That's it. I, I, I get so excited when, when, when I see people learning to preach and getting in the pulpit. I get so excited when people say, I, I've always wanted to do this thing, but I've never been given a chance. And I'll say, what do you want to do? That's my job as a leader, is to help you see you walk into all the things that God has called you to do. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. And the next verse that no one ever references, verse 18 says, pray for us. That means throw verse 18 up. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. You want to know why a lot of leaders stumble? Because people talk bad about them more than pray for them. I have met so many leaders in the past 
couple months who like like I have a pastors gathering once a month. I, I, I speak to to leaders in different churches and and I, I hear the same thing over and over. People are tired and they're beaten down. And they're talking about all the things that people are complaining about and the things that they're not doing right. And for someone to just say, can I pray for you? They just start tearing up. Can I be honest with you? And this is, this is an um, encouragement to you guys. In those pastor's gatherings, I never have to ask for prayer. You want to know why? Because I know I'm covered. Amen. You have no idea how, how much I have taken that for granted until I've seen what's going on. We are all to be submitted to something. I am to be submitted to God. You are to be submitted to God. I am to be submitted to you. You are to be submitted to me. It is not one or the other. It is a joint relationship of submission and honor. Are you submitted to the assignment to pray for spiritual leaders so that they take joy and delight in taking you where you need to go? Your submission to praying over your leader should give you a peace that when they walk into new things, even if it disagrees with your current state, you trust that they're hearing from God. Let me make that personal. If you're praying for me and I'm submitting to you, if the Lord says do this and we all go, uh-uh, there should be peace to move into the uh-uh if we're all submitted to each other in prayer because we're trying to walk out into a new level of glory. The thing about new level of glory is it's new. Which means maybe we haven't seen it. What has it... I know I'm talking a lot. Is, is this... Is this what has the church been wanting over and over, especially today? They want the altars filled with miracles, signs, and wonders, right? We want to see the, the movement of God in the churches. We want to see all this stuff. What if God says, I've done that, and I want to do it in a new way? What if he wants miracles and signs and wonders in the parking lot of Piggly Wiggly? But we're so obsessed with making it happen here that we ignore the assignment in the parking lot at Piggly Wiggly. And you don't get the space you like, so you start blessing the one who took your space <laughs> instead of wondering where you reposition for an even more divine reason. Now, th th that might sound hokey to you, but I, I, I actually believe that the, 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 God can make anything work together for the, the, the good of those who seek him. Like, I take it very serious when, when I have this plan and, and somehow it shifts. The first thing I ask is, God, is there something in this? Is there someone here? Right? Because, again, the, the building material is not, God, we're going to build a great experience on a Saturday night, and we're going to have a great service. It's always submitted to whatever, however, whenever, wherever. I'm not sure I can say that again. So after Jesus has this talk with Peter, he tells Peter something amazing. He's, in, in Matthew 16, 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. 
Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. How do you receive keys of the kingdom to build the church? When you walk in new man, walking in the likeness of Christ. He didn't say, Simon, I'll give you the keys. And a lot of times you're trying to turn new man keys with old man living. <laughs> oh. I'm feeling good with this one. When you walk in the new man, you walk in the likeness of Christ, carrying an ability to be in such unity with heaven that heaven and earth respond to you as if you were opening and closing doors with keys. You see, binding and loosing were phrases common to the Jewish legal community. They were declaring something that was either forbidden or something allowed according to one thing, the law. So they use these terms, binding and loosing. That's where those terms came from. So they were familiar with this idea of allowing something or not allowing something. This phrase most accurately interpreted in the original language actually says it like this. What you forbid on earth will have already been bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. In other words, when you walk in new man, I'm giving you keys to bring heavenly realities right here. Stop being submitted to the idea that you will only experience heaven when you die. Or maybe a new way to say that is realign your thinking. If, how many of you believe in Jesus Christ? That means you've already died. And you only die once. Because your flesh is not you. Your flesh is a housing agent for you. That is why you should never let your flesh tell you what to do. Because it should be in submission to who you are. Right? You see, submission works everywhere. Your mind, your will, your thoughts, or your emotions, your flesh. Submit it to the Spirit of God. And when you submit it to the Spirit of God, you're actually submitting it to new man, true you, who is one with God. Oh, Y'all like the idea of one with God? What do you think marriage means? <laughs> We're the bride. He's the bridegroom. Marriage, two become. Why does heaven get loosed through you? Because we are representative of the oneness of God on earth as it is in heaven. But you can't bring those realities down into your life if you're not submitted to new, what, new man ways, new man thinking, and new man living. At some point, every thought that we have should be submitted to the idea that maybe we're wrong and God is right. Well, that's just not how, that's not who I am. You're right, old man. Who you are now might not be who you are supposed to be. And you'll get there quicker if you'll crucify the old man thinking, the old man opinion, the old man mentality, the old man desires. How do we get submitted then? How do we get submitted in this right way? Look at Galatians 5 verse 1. 
Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Hmm. Christ set us free. Make sure you stay free. Lord, deliver me. Lord's like, I did. Stay delivered. Do you know what the deliverance ministry is really all about? Because How many of you know that there is a such thing as deliverance ministry? It's, it's not trying to bring you into something new. It's trying to open your eyes to what is actually available. In other words, you're getting delivered from a lie. I can't break the chains of depression. They're already broken. You're living according to a false reality. That's your old man thinking. I, I, I have been in many deliverance ministries, and, and it, it's, sometimes it, it just it, it gets me frustrated. Because sometimes you've got to spend hours and hours with someone breaking them free when really and truthfully, if Jesus came, he would have said, you want to be free? Yeah, okay, you're free. Get up, walk, go. That's what deliverance ministry should be. Right, hey, do you want to be delivered from that addiction, from, from, from that pain, from that past traumatic experience? Yes, okay, walk away in Jesus' name. It really is as simple as that. The struggle is not the availability. The struggle is believing the truth that you're no longer bound to that old man experience. He has set us free. It is finished. You're not trying to get, you are not trying to become something new. You're trying to walk in the new man that you already are. That's why he went back and forth. In one, minute, one moment he said Simon, then he said Peter, then he said Satan. But the whole time, the reason he spoke to Simon was to get him to Peter. The reason he spoke to Satan was to get him back to Peter. He said, recognize what's speaking right now. Get behind me, Satan. We have to be submitted to God in all things, including the way we respond to things, including the way we think. Stop thinking that just because it's who you are means it's validated. It may not be who you are. Well, how do I know who I am? It looks like this. Now watch this in verses 16 to 18. So I say, verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Do you, do you want to know how to walk in new man? Submit to one person. Holy Spirit. Can I challenge your theological thinking for a second? Thank you. <laughs> the scripture says when Jesus left this earth, he went to the throne of, next to the throne of God, and what happened? He sat down. And he ain't going to get back up until the Father says, go get him. But for some reason, we're still saying, Jesus, would you do it? He's not getting up to do anything because he's already done everything. And this is where I'm going to push you a little bit. We spend more time talking to the Son of God than the one he sent to build relationship with, Holy Spirit. Jesus, help me walk into the situation. 
how about you ask Holy Spirit? Well, isn't it all the same? It is all the same, but there's also different functions. Jesus has set me free so that I can have a relationship with the one called Holy Spirit that I can be submitted to in every situation. Is that too much? To, is that too much? If we didn't need all three, why would we have all three? Look at this. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You catch that? How do I get out of this sin? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, no. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Stop listening to old man. You are submitted to old self. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires are the opposite of what sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by your spirit, you're not even under obligation to the law of Moses. And we still have believers that try to preach this is what Moses did and this is the law that he gave. And this scripture is telling us that he's, if you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're no longer under the obligation to the law of Moses. Why? God offers us a submission relationship that is so great that you don't even have to get the law to walk in it because relationship with the Holy Spirit brings you in what, in, into what the law was as well. In other words, have a relationship with the person of God rather than the writings of the law. Because when you're led by him, you actually carry out what the law was meant to do. It's like this. There's laws in scripture that says don't cut your hair. I would have not done well with that. <laughs> There's laws in, there are certain laws in scripture about getting certain tribal markings called tattoos. There's all kind of laws. There's laws in Scripture about, you know, women making sure that before you got married, you, your heads were covered in public. All kind of laws. The point of the law was not the law. The point of the law was for people to be as close to God as they could be without imperfection. So Jesus comes and says, I'll take care of all that. And when you have a relationship with me, you fulfill what the point was for the law. It's not about the law. It's about the, what the law was trying to bring people into. A relationship that was closer than anything. That's why he says, I have not come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. I'm doing what it tried to do. And you want to know how you're walking in submission to the Holy Spirit? You're starting to look like Jesus. And yes, that includes healing the blind. Commanding out leprosy. Telling cancer where it can go. <clears throat> I, I was, uh, Peter's back with us. And for those of you that might not know Peter, he's been out for like, how long? Three months. Um, because of dealing with some cancer problems and going through surgeries and 
you know, traveling back and forth to Atlanta probably 68 times a week. It's just been crazy. And uh, I was having dinner with him this week, and one thing he said was, I'm so glad that we studied the Song of Songs. I said, why? He said, because if I hadn't understood how intimate God wanted to be with me and how much he loves me, I wouldn't have been prepared to fight this battle. All, yeah. See, all he needed was, oh, God loves me. Not loves the idea of me, but he loves me. So you know what Peter did in that moment? He could have been submitted to old man thinking, oh, no, I've got cancer. Or submitted to a new man thinking that cancer has no chance in hell to rule. Is that, is that okay I said that? You see, in, in every situation, you have one of two choices. Do I submit to old man thinking or new man? I'm going to close with these two scriptures in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part. If we would do this, we would be so unified that making faith moves corporately will become so much easier. Because when we're submitting to the Spirit, we will all be walking in one accord. The thing about submission is that there's going to be times when we get it wrong and there's going to be times when we get it right. But when we are submitted to one another, and I have walked this out in this church, and, and some of y'all might think I don't like it, but I love it. When someone comes to me and says, I want to talk to you about that because it doesn't seem right, the first thing I do is not plan to tell them why they're wrong. The first thing I do is it puts me before my knees with God and say, God, before I have this conversation, I want to know, did you show them something or did I do a bad job communicating vision? And if God showed them something, I will be the first one to redirect it. Because it would be prideful of me to assume that God does not talk to you as much as he talks to me. Because my Bible doesn't say the head of the church sharpens the church. It says iron sharpens iron. And I need to regard you in new man, not old man. Which means when we have a conversation of disagreement, I am not engaging with old man you. I'm engaging with a redeemed you that is with just as much with God as I am. And there may be something that I have not seen even though I am the leader of this house. I have to be submitted to you. You have to be submitted to me. We have to be submitted to each other. Submission. It is not about what we want to do. It is about we are all on submission to spreading the kingdom of God throughout the earth. You know what a kingdom is? The king gets his way. And the king don't like cancer. The king don't like poverty. The king don't like disease. The king loves people who are fully redeemed and fully established in who he is. 
And I want to build a church where people know when you become a part of this house, we don't care if you go to church on Sunday somewhere else tomorrow or next week. All we care about is we are people coming together in love with God and we want to walk into everything he wants us to walk into. That's it. Submission. You know what honor is all about? When I have a conversation with someone, when you have a conversation with someone, I'm submitting to the truth that that is a child of God, even if they don't know it. Can I just go there? Unsaved. They're children, but they just walk out of their covering. That's why it breaks the father's heart to see one of his children die in eternity. Still children. Can I, hear me out. Saved or not saved does not define you as child. We're all children. So the next time you think of someone in this nation and you start cursing them, or your relatives, you got to remember something. They, not be, they may not be walking as child, but they are child. And God loves them and says, I want them back. That's why we are to pray for our enemies and bless them. Because there is something about them that is good that they may not, that they may have lost sight of or that they may have never have known. We were once there. We're redeemed. We're set free in the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. And Revelation, Revelation says that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the things that should be coming out of our mouth is a testimony of being fully submitted. Submission. The gates of hell will not prevail against Savannah, Georgia. Against the United States. The gates of hell will not prevail against this world. I know exactly what's going to happen to Lucifer. I know exactly what's going to happen to the demons. So why am I worried about them if I know they're already defeated? And can I just say, it's, I, if you feel like you are going through an ungodly level of attack, that is the biggest compliment the enemy could ever pay you. Why are they trying to put you backwards? Because they see what you could be. You forget demons and Satan were in heaven and know God much better than we do as far as his character and who he is. And he's trying everything he can to get us out of alignment with that. Because when we're submitted to who he is, the devil doesn't stand a chance. The devil's not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. Our God is everywhere. And you know what Jesus did? He said, I'm going to multiply myself. I'm going to give him the Holy Spirit. So when I walk into, uh, like someone told me, like walking into New Orleans and they felt demons scattered. That needs to be what happened in Savannah, Georgia when you set foot downtown. Or can I say it like this? When we walk into religious situations. 
when we walk into the hospital. When you walk into relentless. Submission. I encourage you tonight as we leave here. Don't leave trying to figure out what's next. Leave just saying, Lord, where am I not submitted? And when you submit that, you'll walk in to what's next. Submitted. Let's stand. God, we just, we only want one thing, and, and it's you. We, we, we don't, <clears throat> we're not trying to put a, a description on this move that you're wanting to do. We just, we want to be submitted to whatever it is. And I decree right now that it's not that a move is coming, it's that we're in the midst of it right now. So Lord, show us how to submit to what you're doing in the spirit realm. I feel like I want to say this really quick if everyone. The enemy oper operates in atmospheres. Satan, demons, they're not in hell. Scripture says hell is reserved for them. It's in atmospheres. The scripture tells us that we are to lift up a sound of praise. Let me tell you why. Because when you lift up praise, your praise fills the atmosphere to where there is no longer room for the enemy to traffic. When Daniel was fasting for 21 days, there was a war going on, a battle between angels and demons. And what broke, what caused the angel to break through to get to Daniel, the message that he was needing from God, was not the angel's ability to fight, but Daniel's prayer and praise. There are angels on assignment for you that are trying to break through to get to you, and sometimes all they need for you to do is to lift up a sound of praise that clears the atmosphere. And I feel like some of us need to submit to that tonight. That you've got this situation you're growing through and you cannot find breakthrough. You feel like no matter what you do, nothing's happening. I say tonight, you lift up a sound of praise to clear the, the traffic above you. Matter of fact, just right now, just for the next few, few seconds, few moments, I don't know what it is that you're needing breakthrough in, but just start praising God just right now. There, come on, yeah. Don't stop. Just keep going. Just keep going. Lord, we just lift up a sound of praise. God, thank you. Thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for, thank you for being so good, God. Thank you for, thank you for your wisdom. You are so good. There is no one better than you. You have everything in the palm of your hand, God. Lord, we are submitted to you. 
We are not submitting to a reality of defeat. We are submitting to the reality of victory in the name of Jesus. We are not submitting to a reality of hurt and pain. We're submitting to the reality of blessed, that we are not forsaken. Lord, we are submitting to the realities of heaven on earth, that there is peace, there's goodness. It's all you, God. We thank you for restored relationships and families. We thank you for prodigals returning home. We thank you for brothers and sisters who are lost. They're coming back right now. They may not even know it, but they're coming back right now. And we praise you for that, God. We, we, we lift up the local church. That the local church of this region is submitted to you. Not will be, not might be, is submitted. And as it is in heaven, we bind the enemy that has no authority and we loose freedom. We loose breakthrough. We loose unconditional love. I prophesy right now that we're walking into a day where the people of this area and region, when they hear church, they don't think of hurt. When they hear church, they think of hope and love. Lord, redeem what the old man did for your ecclesia through a people willing to say yes to new man realities. We are submitted. Can we say that together? We are submitted. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, lift up one more shout of praise. Love you guys.